Book Squad Goals is proud to be an affiliate for the 2020 Refresh Weekly Planner by Workspacery. Planning time to record a podcast around four working women's schedules is tough. That's why we need the right tools to keep us on time and up to date. Featuring a beautiful minimalist design, dual weekly layout with task organization, and a goal planning section, the 2020 Refresh Weekly Planner has everything you need to keep you organized and inspired in the coming year. Visit Workspacery.com and enter code BOOKSQUAD, all caps, at checkout to get 20% off a planner today. That's Workspacery.com, enter code BOOKSQUAD at checkout. Puppies and kitties, books and movies, yes, we love these. Listen to this podcast, please. Welcome to Book Squad Goals. I am Mary, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Nature Poem by Tommy Pico. It's a little bit different from what we usually do. We have never done a collection of poetry before. You can breathe, Todd. (laughs) It was a burp. It was a burp. Todd's sitting here, like, with his hand over his mouth. I could feel a burp coming. Oh, my God. Um, We are also joined by a friend of the pod. Todd? Special friend of Mary. Special friend of Mary. (laughs) (laughs) On the last episode, Todd, um, we said we were going to have poet friends and lovers on... Yes. So yeah. you yes. are a poet Ben's friend and lover. Made a made a guest appearance. True. Different relationships for different people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. welcome, friend and lover of the pod. Yes. Yes. And uh, Tide is a poet. He sure has is. Has written poetry. And he knows it. Knows things about poetry. Hey. Has a PhD in poetry. Susan also poet all poets on deck has written poetry published poetry has a phd in poetry and just had her doctorversary yeah happy doctorversary graduating thank you so proud so proud i think it was actually just the anniversary when i graduated but whatever so good yeah i don't know what day i really like finished everything but either way i i did finish it by a hair and here i am yeah (laughs) to talk to you about this <laughs> three years later. Uh, I feel like we should tip our hats to each other and just say doctor. Doctor? doctor. Hey, I'm also a doctor, but not of poetry. That's true. Yes. Doctor. Doc. Um, I don't feel like a doctor, though, because, you know, like, I I tell people things and nobody believes me. And I feel like if I were a doctor, they would take me seriously. But that hasn't happened yet. You should take a lesson from one of our favorite shows, Evil. Wear a blazer. Makes you look more like a doctor. Yeah, supposedly if you wear a blazer, people believe you and, like... Interesting. Or feel confident. Um, But, as a little intro question, I have asked us, what's your favorite natural thing? (laughs) And it's up to your interpretation what that means. Much like, I think, uh, the definition of nature is up to interpretation here. Could be that. Susan's gonna say boning. I think... (laughs) I think this is really easy, so I'm going to go first, because yeah. I don't want anybody to take my answer. 
cats. This is <laughs> my answer is cats. Done. Done. You won That's the all game. I got. Okay, I'm gonna go because Kelly just tried to guess. Why do you think I'm gonna say boning? Because you always bring it up if you can. <laughs> That's not true. Wow, Mom, are you the true. Samantha of this podcast, Susan? I think no, she but is. the reason I laughed is because when I saw that it said, what's your favorite natural thing, immediately the George Michael lyric, sex is natural, sex is good. <laughs> not everybody does it, but everybody should. I was right. And head. so. But that is not my actual answer. That is just. That's George Michael. That's just what the word answer. natural conjures for me. Anyway, um, I'm going to say, this is like the lamest thing you could ever say, but trees because yeah. I just really like to hike. So I like being in the woods and like just surrounded by trees mm-hmm. to the point where it's almost scary and I'm not sure if I know my way out. Did I tell you guys about the nature hike I went on when I was in New Zealand? Because no. we had to talk to trees. It was part of the walk. Oh. It was very interesting. But yes, we had to find a tree in the forest. I should have been tell you about his experience doing this because I, f- I think that would be interesting. But yeah, we had to find a tree in the forest and like hold it and um, communicate with it. And we all like went se- to separate areas of the forest. And like nowhere else in the world would I do this, but it was New Zealand and I was like, this is beautiful. Why not? It sounds so- like Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah. <laughs> But, but it was New Zealand accents rather than Australian yeah. accents. So it yeah. was a little bit more Slight charming. Difference. Just slightly more charming. I love yeah. an Australian accent, though, as we know. But anyway, that just made me think about that because you said trees. And I was like, you know, I had a really nice conversation with a tree recently. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> what do you and the tree talk about? Um, I mean, it was kind of personal. So I don't know. Okay, into it. sorry. But Could have been cats. It wasn't. I thought this question is a setup for someone to say marijuana. No. No. I truly Not that I any of us are thinking. going to. I'm just saying. Mary was very like innocent this. setting up this question. And yeah. And I gave a very That's innocent a answer. Susan gave a very innocent yeah. answer. Who's going to break the seal? Uh, I, uh, I can. Oh, oh. sorry. Uh, someone say no, marijuana. No. I wasn't going to say marijuana. Um, But that is one of my favorites. But what I thought of, which is also, like, if trees are obvious, so is my favorite thing, which is the ocean. I love the ocean. The ocean is a friend of mine. That's very good. Yeah. Um, That's very good. Obviously, grew up around a lot of beaches. And, I don't know. And Disney World. And Disney World. And Moana. I would go to the beach a lot as a kid because my grandparents lived uh, in Jacksonville, which is, like, near the beach. And, uh... My favorite thing ever is to just, like, go out into the water, like, up to, like, probably, like, my waist and then just, like, stand there and, like, look out at the horizon because mm-hmm. you can't you see anything. you been at the edge of the water long as you can remember, never really knowing why? Exactly. Exactly. Um, just wondering. Wish I could be the perfect daughter. But I come back to the water <laughs> no matter how hard I try. It's true. Yeah. You are Moana. I am Moana. Nice. Do you want to go, Todd? Yeah, I can go. I actually love oceans, even though I grew up landlocked in Tennessee. I'm a big lover of oceans. But another thing that Tennessee has that is natural, I don't consider myself a natural person. (laughs) I would say I'm the opposite of that. Indoor indoor kid. The the most indoor kid. Yes, unnatural, indoor kid. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 
I was like, do video games count? Because they're, nope. Uh, but I love, <laughs> and this is like a very indoor kid way to describe this. I love a very, like a rainstorm, not a thunderstorm or a like a tornado or something, but just like light rain. Just rain. That's just like tapping on your roof mm-hmm. or the windows. And you're just like, oh, it's a nice day. And you have like <laughs> coffee or tea. So you like... A natural thing that you don't have to be outside yeah, to Yeah, one that you're supposed to yeah. be inside for. Um, in New yeah. York, almost all of the rainstorms are like that because it almost, like, there's, like, never thunderstorms here, which is really weird right. because I'm... That's weird. Yeah, in Florida, it's, like, every storm is a thunderstorm. Every day, yeah. yeah. I got sent home early from work today because of, like, potential tornadoes. Oh I yeah, didn't. I our, <laughs> the class that I was supposed to teach this afternoon got canceled because of tornadoes, and I'm like, worst nightmare yeah. for me. Side rant: I didn't. All the counties around my school did, and then a tornado touched down, like in, in at my school on yeah, the roof basically. of your school. Yeah, <laughs> that's. So oh, I'm not complaining scary. about leaving early. Just saying. No, I'm complaining about not leaving early. Oh. <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> My natural thing is not surprising to anyone who has been around me at night. It is the moon. Oh, I love the moon. Like Sailor Moon. You're Sailor Moon. I like looking at the moon. I like. I can connect. I like the stars too, and I like to look at constellations and things. But I really love uh, looking at the moon and noting how big and beautiful it is. What is your moon sign? Um, what is it? What is it? Let me tell you, Mary. I'll just check my app. It's Scorpio. Yeah, it's Scorpio. Wow, you knew without even looking? I did. Yeah, I remember I'm like Virgo. Scorpio moon and then Taurus rising, I think. Wow. I think. Hi. It's a wild Capricorn moon. That also makes sense. Todd's a Scorpio Fuck moon, Zemi, bitch. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Wait, what is your moon? I don't know. Scorpio? No, doesn't make sense. Does that mean I'm a, I sting people? No. <laughs> I've got claws instead of hands? My Saturn is in Scorpio, and I'm pretty sure that's the root of all my problems. Oh. Scorpios yeah. are mysterious. Well, there you go. It's And your moon is <laughs> all about how you feel on the inside. Yeah. I feel mysterious. I think of Scorpio as being uh, very emotional, and I do feel very emotional. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it is Inside. a water sign. But the Virgo is like, no. Relax. That's Tamp like. It down. Conceal, yeah. don't feel. Again, connecting yeah. cartoons here. That's oh, what I'm man. doing this whole episode. I'm going to be like, that reminds me of this cartoon. Also, Somebody Frozen is ice, which is natural. Mm-hmm. Yep. Somebody exactly. at Disney's just like drafting the cease and desist. Yeah. Right <laughs> Look, we, we didn't so sing hard. anything. Just dropped a few lyrics. Lightly quoted. Lightly <laughs> sprinkled some lyrics in there. They um, aren't they aren't looking for Disney in a podcast about Tommy Pico. They aren't. Nah. They were good. Hidden. Hidden in Not until Disney. I put the Disney tag on our on our episode. No! <laughs> the the title of the episode will be Hidden Disney, and Disney's going to be like, wait, what? What? <laughs> hidden on. Mickeys. Can you spot all so the hidden Mickeys? I feel Mickeys? like we're going to get the oh wrong gosh. audience with that. I'm going to put official Disney <laughs> podcast. Mm-hmm. No! 
Disney so bring verified. Bring it back to Tom <laughs> Nope, don't do it. I'm gonna keep going. I'm a girl who loves our island. I'm a girl who loves the to sea. Bring it, to bring it back to Tommy Pico. Okay, fine. We've said our natural things. Surprise, nobody said waterfalls. I don't They're not that great. Waterfalls. I like mm. them. Some I like to stick to the rivers and lakes that I'm used to. Yeah. Uh, I'd say they were like a solid... They're in my top five. I have a blurb from Goodreads. Now... I was talking about this earlier. I don't know how one writes a sort of like synopsis for a book of poetry. Yeah. But here we go. Let's see what. I don't know if I can do this, but I just want to say this blurb is straight nonsense. Are you you serious? Do you ever listen to our podcast? Because we make fun of the blurbs. Yeah, I know. I know they're all nonsense, but this is. No, I mean, no, but we always make fun of the blurbs. You absolutely can make fun of the blurb. Good. I think we do it every time. This is the book jam. No, really? I was just looking. So I was like, this sounds familiar. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, from the book jacket. Nature poem follows Teebs, a young queer American Indian, or NDN, letter N, letter D, letter N, poet who can't bring himself to write a nature poem. For the reservation-born, urban-dwelling hipster, the exercise feels stereotypical, reductive, and boring. He hates nature. He prefers city lights to the night sky. He'd slap a tree across the face. He'd sure. rather write a mountain of a hashtag of hashtag punchlines about death and give head in a pizza parlor bathroom. He'd rather write odes to Aretha Franklin and Hole. While he's adamant, bratty even, about his distaste for the world, word natural, over the course of the book we see him confronting the assimilationist, historical, colonial white ideas that collude Indian culture with nature. The closer his people were identified with the natural world, he figures, the easier it was to mow them down like the underbrush. But Teebs gradually learns how to interpret constellations through his own lens, along with human nature, sexuality, language, music, and Twitter. Even while he reckons with manifest destiny and genocide and centuries of disenfranchisement, he learns how to have faith in his own voice. So that is the description. I mean, I think that's like pretty accurate to what's going on, but also I don't know how you summarize a book of poetry. Usually I feel like it's just other authors being like, this was transcendent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which like, what does that mean? My main issue is that it tries to make it into like uh, a novel with like a... Something with a plot. With a very clear plot and arc and... There are those things, but I don't think you can compare them. It's probably a a marketing thing, I'm sure, yeah. to get people to read it. Who writes book jackets? Um. Oh, who writes book jackets? I can answer this question for you. Yeah. How does a book become a book jacket? Tell us, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, it's Kelly's publishing corner. Um, yeah. Yay. A lot of times, uh, the editor writes it. Mm. <laughs> Um, or there will be, there are copywriters who specifically write copy for... I want that job. Yeah, it really depends yeah. on the book. Like, if an editor doesn't care, then they'll give it to someone else <laughs> to write. But a lot of times the editor will write it and then other people will come in and then edit it down from that. So And then people on Goodreads take it and mess it up more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I almost feel like po- the poetry... 
world is so small that like there's some poet like, well, gotta write my book jacket now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't even know that most. I'm trying to think. Like, I guess books of poetry can have book jackets, but often they just have like mini reviews. Yeah, on the yeah back. it's a bunch like, of this blurbs. One has. Yeah, it's just blurbs. Which I hope no yeah. one ever asked me to do for their book because I think those are even harder. Yeah. Well, usually someone will get the book and then read like 15 pages and then come Burp up with it, a quick write blur. something. That's what we're looking, King we're does. looking at you, Stephen King. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There's no way Stephen King. He's read all the books that he's blurbed on. No. There's no way he's writing a book a month and also and also reading writing all these blurbs and reading. Mm-mm. Yeah. So my first talking point is, I guess, what do we think? a nature poem is. And then to jump off of that, how do you think this is a nature poem and how does it deviate from what we perceive a nature poem to be? Well, my basic bitch view is that uh, (laughs) nature poems are basically just Robert Frost, right? (laughs) Mm. He did, he did love nature. I think of uh, Wordsworth, Mm -hmm. which like my, so, like, I think of Wordsworth probably because I've read a lot of Wordsworth because his conception of childhood is really important to children's literature. And so you have to kind of, like, go back to him to understand where that's coming from a little bit. But he, and it's been a while, but I just remember every poem being like, look at this landscape. That's, it looks there's a lot of that super awesome and also children so innocent the tree is innocent the children are innocent children are closer to nature yes children that's a better way to say it is like children are closer to nature because they're like pure and they haven't haven't experienced things yet yeah i'm kind of making fun of it because i'm not a super fan when i think of of nature poems or just like that term I think of, like, transcendentalist stuff, like, where it's Mm -hmm. all about, like, being immersed in nature and somehow coming to know more truths about the world than those who are not immersed. But can we talk? (laughs) Can we talk about Thoreau for, like, a split second? You can do whatever you want. This is your episode. (laughs) Did he write poetry, though? Thoreau? Right? Walden? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Don't talk. Yeah, which is not, Mm. I mean, it's not poetry. I hate that shit, It's not it's not poetry, <laughs> but I, you know, I think of... Emerson wrote some poetry. When I yeah. think of, like, nature writing, mm-hmm. I think of Walden, because it's just like, what's up? I'm gonna sit in this house in the wood, or, like, on Walden Pond, and I'm gonna really get in touch with myself. But the reality is... He had people mom- bringing him snacks. <laughs> his mom would bring him sandwiches. Yeah. What a little I don't bitch. I want to hear it, <laughs> So he's just so like, some dude. He's just some white dude. Yeah. This, but see, this is the thing. Is like I think a lot of what we think of as being like traditional nature writing does come from a place of extreme privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Like to have a family that owned property in a secluded area that you could go to, still be somewhat taken care of by your family. And just have the freedom to write and not mm-hmm. have to work. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a place of extreme privilege. And I think that 
in a way, Tommy Pico's poetry is kind of, like, grappling with that. Like, yeah. I can't write a nature poem because I'm not like all these dudes. Right. Yeah. I also think a lot of Mary Oliver, uh, for, take, for talking about more contemporary poets, because she wrote a lot about nature in a way that I think... I haven't read Mary Oliver in a while, and I know she died recently, so that sort of had, like, a resurgence of people looking at her poetry. But I feel like she often wrote about uh, just sort of, like, walking around and experiencing nature and being grateful, which I think is really interesting. Uh, I had a professor who was, like, a staunch feminist, and she was like, she just writes nice lady poems. <laughs> which uh, is, like, maybe true, but I think there's more to it than nice that. Nice lady poems. Also, um, like, so what? A lady can write nice right. lady poems if she wants. Yeah. And well, still be a feminist. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, she wrote, you know, like, mean lady poems, so. Yeah. <laughs> Your teacher I like those better. Too. Yeah, my teacher. <laughs> mean lady who poems are my favorite. No names. No, uh, it can be edited Oh, out. okay. Uh, she writes, like, ex- uh. like just long narrative poems about how everything sucks. I mean, I would probably love it. It's true, really everything good. does suck. Yeah. But edit her name out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't- <laughs> Please make I'm it a loud beep. So it sounds like... Beep! Yeah. My professor, sure. beep! Sure. <laughs> there is a way to do it in Audacity. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I did it that one time someone said a phone number. <laughs> uh, really? Someone oh, said yeah. a phone number one time? Yeah, I don't Does remember what the situation was. Why? You mean like Mary's number? Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> beep, 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 no. beep. It's all just eight. It's just eight over and over again. <laughs> This is my phone number. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot of different ways to think about nature poetry and what it means to write a nature poem. I I think the thing I like about this is that he's kind of deconstructing the idea of nature poetry. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, though, it's he also is talking a lot about the nature of people and not yes. like the mm-hmm. natural world, but like the nature of people's actions and the effects of that on other people and says stuff like, no, I wouldn't want to write about that nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway. Cause like taking nature to the point of like, because we do, we use nature to talk about, you know, the natural world outside, but we also use nature to talk about, you know, uh, what is the, like Susan's saying, what is the nature of that person? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. nature can have a lot of different meanings. Um, and, I what I really liked my favorite thing, um, which I guess is kind of leading into the second talking point. But my favorite yeah. thing about this is uh, just the way that Tommy Pico is engaging with um, being indigenous and the idea of writing a nature poem, like not just in the way that you were talking about earlier, where um, you know he's doesn't consider himself a you know person who could write a nature poem, but also that. Uh, in, like, white culture, we have, you know, made um, Native people into, like, this almost caricature of <gasps> a person Like Pocahontas, who, the Disney yeah. movie. Like Pocahontas. Yes. It's exactly uh, Colors like of the Pocahontas. Wind. Yes. Um, Look, I knew I could connect this to a Disney movie. I was just waiting yeah. for my time. <laughs> it's gonna it. keep happening, and I'm ready. Uh, but basically, like, we ha- we have created this stereotype of what the American Indian person is, that they are one with nature and, like, like the wise, you know, 
Indian who uh, sings with all the colors of the wind, etc. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And he is feels like even if he wanted to write about nature, he would be, you know, putting himself into this stereotype by doing so. So he doesn't want to do that. But, yeah. like, repeatedly throughout the uh, collection, what is that what we would call this? <laughs> um, I think that's just a debate. Poem. I think we could debate it, yeah. honestly. Uh, Put a pin in that. Throughout the poem, um, he is... Like, repeatedly bringing up things about nature that that he would write about and that he does find beautiful. And then he says, but no, I can't. Like, mm-hmm. I can't talk about that. But actually, like, again and again here are things that – because nature is something that, like, most human beings can find beauty in, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think – and you kind of mentioned this a little bit, Kelly, like – and Susan, like, the human nature thing is, like, our access point into it. Because I think by the end of the book, we're talking about capital N nature mm-hmm. a little bit more. But at the beginning, it's all about people. And even I was just looking at the cover. And on the cover, nature poem is, uh, like, the inside of the letters are graffiti. Mm-hmm. Art looks very city. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom... Uh, Tommy Pico's name is Water. Looks very natural. Looks it looks very... like maybe this is a picture of almost like a canal or something with mm-hmm. like a wall structure above it. Mm-hmm. But it, it is like that juxtaposition of city and people and yeah, capital N nature. Well, and also mm-hmm. like that's such a thing. And and he lives in Brooklyn, and a lot of what he's talking yeah. about, like you know, Brooklyn is definitely a place where it's like. There are these, like, beautiful little pockets of nature and then, like, disgusting trash everywhere also. Kelly, mm-hmm. you could have found him. I could have. <laughs> he was he was just doing a talk at Strand recently. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, I have a little quote, which I might be doing a couple of times. So this is on page 12. It seems foolish... To discuss nature without talking about endemic poverty, which seems foolish to discuss without talking about corporations given human agency, which seems foolish to discuss without talking about colonialism, which seems foolish to discuss without talking about misogyny. In the deepest oceans, the only light is fishes. Luciferin and luciferase mixed ribbons flutter in the darkness. I am so dumb thinking about this. Makes me cry. I am so dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, like, for me, this is, like, it is nature. It is, like, images of natural things, but it's interwoven with scenes of the city, interactions with different people, thinking about bigger issues like poverty or colonialism. hmm Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and trying to connect it to, like, current political matters without having to be, like, uh, hey, did you know it's dumb that corporations are people? <laughs> Right, like, yeah, yeah, like, uh, what was it? There was like a couple of weeks ago, Netflix tweeted something that Mm -hmm. was that went viral. That was like, what was it? I don't remember, but I, I mean, about the the thing you can say during sex, but also when you run a brand social media page. Yes, (laughs) and all the brands were responding to it, and I, but it wasn't. 
that that happened. Like, it was funny. It was good marketing. But also, I saw people taking pictures, like, screen capping it and posting it everywhere. And I thought, like, you guys know... These are companies. Yeah. <laughs> like, I posted it because, well, I mean, like, I I do this for a living. So, like, right. to me, this is really interesting. But what, but as, as cool and spontaneous and funny as it seemed, like, a big chunk of those brands were, like, in on this before. Like, they knew this was happening because it takes a long time to get shit like that approved, especially if it's, right. like, going to sound raunchy. So, like, it, you know, it wasn't as... It wasn't spontaneous for the it most part. It was on part. somebody's Google calendar, like, do the Twitter thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I still think it was funny either way. It was. It was. But, like, it's just, like, I think that we do personify corporations to some extent. And it... Well, yeah, we do. We do. We do personify companies because we also, I mean, this is, like, like, in, in, the world that I work in, like so much of advertising is about giving your brand a personality and its own voice. And like, it's talked mm-hmm. about as if it's its own entity, you know, with a voice that would do certain actions and speak to certain people in certain ways. But also we personify corporations because they have <laughs> more rights than people. <laughs> oh, that is hard. <laughs> To think they about. all have way more rights than my uterus does. So you're right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you are right. Um, Kelly, you were trying to get into talking point too. I'm sorry, Kelly. Oh, I mean, it was long, long. You ago. were just relating. <laughs> you were relating. We've talked about Netflix since then and Wendy's. So, like, a huge part of this book is that Tommy Pico is a queer Indigenous author. And he talks about it a lot and specifically talks about how it, how his identity changes his connection to nature or his uh, enthusiasm about writing a nature poem. That's a big part of it. I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I don't know that I have a good answer to it. Like, I think the surface level answer is... He thinks it changes his relationship with the possibility of writing a nature poem because that's what's expected. Mm-hmm. You know, the like you said, Kelly, the Native American stereotype is like um, almost a caricature of yeah. that connection with nature. Well, and he mentions towards the beginning the term noble savage. Yes. Can I read a little, Chuck? Yes. Um, this is from page 56, but... He was talking about sort of the the way that non-Indigenous people interact with (laughs) Indigenous things. Oh, yeah. Um, Look, I'm sure you really do just want to wear those Dreamcatcher earrings. They're beautiful. I'm sure you don't mean any harm. I'm sure you don't really think about us at all. I'm sure you don't understand the concept of off-limits. But what if by not wearing a headdress in your music video or changing your damn mascot and perhaps adding 0.05% of personal annoyance to your life for the 20 minutes at last, the 103 young people who tried to kill themselves on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation over the past four months wanted to live 50% more. I don't want to be seen, generally. I'm a natural introvert, and I deaf don't want to be seen by white ladies in buttery shawls, but I will literally die if I don't scream. Buttery shawls? <laughs> The thing is, is I couldn't tell you what a buttery shawl is, but I can picture it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Yes. But the, the I'm sure you don't mean us any harm. I'm sure you don't really think about us at all is, right. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of this is about. Yeah. Yeah. Even earlier on that page, too, like where he says uh, he's talking about the two women who are in the Museum of Natural History, the American Museum of Natural History. Uh, and and that so it says and that word natural and natural history hangs also history, also peoples hangs as in frames. It's horrible how their culture was destroyed as if in some reckless storm. Like mm-hmm. these two as white if it ladies. Just happened. Yeah, like as if. Like, oh, that happened. Not that wasn't something that actually, like, my ancestors did to those people. Right. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At one point, he calls uh, America like occupied America, right? Which is just reinforces this idea that I think a lot of people don't think about every day, which is that even the land that we are on now is stolen. Yeah, uh, which is not like a new idea, but it's still mm-hmm. inter- like. I think valuable to hear that reinforced, mm-hmm. um, especially when you think that you're like on the right. Like probably these women are like, we are good, upstanding, like we're on the right side of history. We're going to the museum. We feel bad that their culture got destroyed. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, and they don't really think about it beyond that. Yeah. I And we've said it before on this podcast, but, like, we are four white women. <laughs> like, this is not Todd an experience. Todd is one white man. I don't necessarily feel equipped to, like, speak on behalf of all Native Americans. Oh, no. But this is something that, like, this book made me personally think about is, like, how do I behave about these things? Or, like... Mm-hmm. Am I one of those white women in a buttery shawl? Right. Or like the... Mm-hmm. In the History Museum. Another thing I marked uh, uh, is when this this dude is asking him about, uh, did you live like in a regular house growing up on the reservation? Mm-hmm. And then he says, when I express frustration, he says, what? He says, I'm just asking as if being earnest somehow absolves him from being fucked up. Which is... I want to put that on a sign. Yeah. <laughs> for everyone who starts sentences with things like, I'm not trying I'm to not be racist. I'm not racist. But or, yeah. Like, I don't care what you're fucking trying to do. That was racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, acknowledging racist. it does not make it, like, not a problem. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> There's also this earlier uh, part that I marked on page 40. It's hard for me to imagine curiosity as anything more than a pretext for colonialism. So, nah. Nature, I don't want to know the colonial legacy of the future. And I think that's, like, pretty uh, pretty stark and pretty smart, a smart way to talk about um, curiosity as basically the starting point for colonialism. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if we weren't curious, we wouldn't have... Uh, you wouldn't have gone over there. I'm just going to go gone, check out you, that land real quick. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then, some you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, like, throughout, he's doing really interesting things and trying to reframe the way that we think about all this. And he's doing it in, like, really easy-to-understand language, I think. I, That's uh, a good segue. Really juvenile language that... I mean, like, when you were just reading that right now, I've rolled my eyes because, like, I, I, 
I just, I really had a problem with the language in this. It, I, I felt like, um, it felt like someone trying to be young, like, uh-huh. nah. Right. The, when you said nah, like, I had to roll my eyes at that because it sounded, it sounds very, like, affected. And, like, I just, like, that was my main problem with this entire book. And, like, I couldn't. Like, you're talking about all these, like, great messages that are going on in it or whatever. But, like, first of all, again, I'm a white woman. So, like, fuck me. I don't, like, I have no right to say anything. This is absolutely true. Like, I'm not being sarcastic. Like, I have no right to say anything. But first of all, like, I've heard these things from other people in much more eloquent, much smarter ways. Second of all, it's really hard to hear the message when I'm so focused on the fact that this author is trying so hard to sound young and cool and it's really annoying. It kind of gets back to like when Mary and Mary and I talked about this with a YA book we read, um, mm-hmm. they both die at the end. I like all I can remember about that book is like, is yo. how, yeah. How many times yo. he said, yo, and I'm like, it's just like, sometimes I mean, like, language matters, okay? (laughs) And, like, sometimes Mm -hmm. when the language is so off-putting, it's, like, who who the fuck cares what he's saying? Like, it was, like, I just, it was infuriating to me. I hate when people write like this because it's Mm. not, it doesn't feel authentic. I, like, maybe you'll argue that, like, it does. But, like, to me, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels forced. Um... It feels like someone trying to sound cool and shocking, and I I fucking hate it. I hate it. So that's what I have to say about this book, and that's about all I have to say about this book because Ugh. I couldn't get past that. I the rest hated of it Emily's so much. comments will be Disney references. Yes. <laughs> I for me it's both. Like I 100% see where you're coming from, Emily. And a lot of a lot of the, I mean, I would say, so, like, I, I see this book, and we can debate this, as, like, a collection of poems. They're not titled, but, like, yeah. you can tell clear breaks between poems. At the very least, and, it, like, it's if it's one poem, it definitely has, like, vignettes. Like, he goes off on yes, just, they're, yes, like, different like yes. scenes. Yeah. 100%. I, but some of the poems, which is, I'm just going to call them poems, some of the yeah, poems. I think that's fair. Were really... Like, oh, this makes sense. And I see, like, some abbreviations or some, like, text speak or whatever. But that's okay. I see it working here. That's good. Some of them, I did get the feeling of, like, you're just trying to be a little shocking. And this could be 100% the way he speaks in his real life. I I don't know. I don't know him. Um, I... Also don't care if that's how he speaks in real life because... Like, it's still off-putting. <laughs> like, if he speaks like this in real life, it's annoying. <laughs> it makes me think of, and this is, like, a very specific, this is a very specific experience, but I had a workshop with a guy when I was in college who was gay and would write, like, just the most shocking, na- like, nasty stuff. And I remember saying to him in workshop, like, I don't know why you wrote this. And he would just be like, well, like, you can't tell me that my experience isn't important and, like, people need to see this. And and I, like, I think there's something to be said for, like, 
having like a loud representation of something that's not necessarily the norm. I do think though in 2019 I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what yeah. I'm trying to say. I feel like some of the I poems I know what you're trying we're to say. Trying, I agree. We're trying to be shocking. I don't know if they needed to be. Some of the language was off-putting to me too. Some of it wasn't. Like, there were definitely a lot of parts that worked for me, and, like, the overall arc of it works for me. But I think with all of the abbreviations, all of the, like, sort of conversational nature of it, you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. Like, I can't imagine someone reading this and being like, eh. I have a, I have a defense of the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, is that a buttery shawl you're wearing? This is a blanket, but <laughs> a buttery blanket. I am a white lady, a so blanket. yes. Um, okay, so Emily, you're right. Language and words matter a lot, and I think, especially in I think, poetry. I was going right? to say, I think especially in poetry because the placement of every word matters, the sound of every word matters. Like that, you don't. Every you're working comma. with limited stuff, and so like. Yeah. It, it matters where what you're saying and how you say it and where you put it and what it sounds like. And so when you when you mess with stuff or go, you know, outside of what you might think of as like traditional language, um, there should be a reason for it. And I think that the reason it doesn't bother me here and why sometimes I even like it and thought it was really effective is because I think it is doing something in service of what the whole piece is doing which is like pushing against traditional poetry and language and all of that mm-hmm. while it maybe doesn't always sound like great to everyone I think that it is I think the thing it is doing it's like a, a form and function thing and I think it is working together so, to do that thing and this is a legitimate question and I like I asked this before we recorded the podcast but I really don't no. So, like, this isn't me trying to be an asshole, but, like, what makes this good poetry? Like, why is this a poem? As opposed to another form? Like, an essay. <laughs> this just reminds me of me, like, six months ago, because I would be like, prose poems aren't real! No, I do, I do actually like prose poems, but again, like, And I like prose poems where there's, like, a focus on language. And I'm like, well, this sounds cool or something like that. Right, right, right. And, you know, like, there are parts of this that sound cool. But, like, there will be a part that sounds cool and then immediately will be followed with, like, I have to pee really fucking bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I will say that uh, I agree that some of it is not working. Like, the... The the one that really stuck out to me as something that did not work was, like, the Twitter exchange poem, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. which I was yeah. just like, this is, this doesn't seem necessary. Uh, and What it, is this adding? Yeah, it just kind of felt, it felt really forced. But a lot of it, I will say, um, <laughs> as a young person. Um, <laughs> as the baby of the podcast. As the baby. Um, it didn't feel forced to me because, uh, because my friends talk this way. So, like, a lot of what 
he was saying didn't feel like shocking. It didn't feel like it was supposed to be shocking or it was like him purposefully like throwing curse words and it felt like the way that like friends text with each other or like mm. that kind of thing. But then playing with the way that we text and saying like, you know, like yes, language matters, but also like this is a new kind of language that we have created like together, which I think um is also kind of beautiful in a way and like plays back into the idea of nature because it is natural for us to alter language to better suit our needs um and like yeah. having technology is is a huge like has changed so much of the way we talk like so many words that we say now like no one would have known what the fuck that was 20 years ago you know and like uh so i, j- I just think it's like it it does like Susan was saying, serve a purpose. And I'm not saying that it wasn't occasionally annoying because it definitely Mm. was um, in parts. But I do think that there's a lot of really beautiful language in here Mm -hmm. too. I wonder how much some of the more um, like uncomfortable or awkward sounding phrases are on purpose. Like, are meant to make I mean, me feel I'm sure it taken is, out of, you know? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say because then it sounds like, well, you can get away with anything, so fuck it, whatever. But that's well, not what I mean. Right. I, mean. But I, I would I think, like, like to assume that it's all on purpose, right? Like, it's yeah. a yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, but I mean, yes. like, for like, the reason I'm saying, like, yeah. Like, there are parts where he's like, okay, so you know in the, the like, death hashtag one, like, right, there's a moment right. where he, he's, one of those is an Emily Dickinson line, but mm-hmm. a few pages before that, I wrote down Emily Dickinson <laughs> next to something because mm-hmm. he said hope is, yeah. um, you know, the Emily Dickinson poem yeah, I'm hope referencing, is hope is yeah. the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. So like a couple pages before the death thing, let me find it real quick. I'm sorry. Do-do-do. Hope is a charred skeleton of a house visible from a road that snakes through the valley of a memory where fig trees burst from the ground like throaty laughter. Like, I think there are a lot of places where he's, like, almost directly speaking to other poems in a way that is, like, opposite of and pushing against it. Yeah? A hundred percent. The thing this made me think of a lot, uh, because it's a nature poem and because it's by a queer poet, uh, or although I think even if he wasn't queer, I probably would have thought of this poet is Walt Whitman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this say, this say what you said about Walt Whitman earlier. He's a freak. <laughs> Walt Whitman's a freak. Do we a not know this? Also, yeah, he's a freak, and he was like yeah. kind of weirdly sexy. He was like, "Hey, what up, boys? You're in the river splashing around. I'm gonna splash you too." Uh, <laughs> That's not what you I, said. I, I did say. Direct I did quote. say earlier. I'm gonna spray you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But, like, that's basically what Walt was up to. He's like, hey, I got a long beard. Do you want to stroke it? Uh, no. Yes. 100%. I don't want to stroke his long beard. Look, all he I'm saying. He wouldn't want me to. I am not no. a young boy. <laughs> no. All I'm saying is he spent a lot of time going around, working at the Civil War, being like, hey, you're dying, but your bod is rocking. <laughs> too far? No. It's true. Not too far. Uh, Anyway, so Walt Whitman, like, he's known for writing these expansive poems about nature, and I think uh, Tommy Pico is trying to do a similar thing, and that's one of the reasons why he's, like, taking language to this extreme. We were even talking earlier about the way that some of his language that we would call text speak is not, like, something that started with him, the sort of 
tightening of words like your and could and would has been around at least in modern poetry since like the 70s and even before that it's even like something that was medieval done in poets. like medieval yeah i don't know about poetry but like in medieval, medieval tapestries and cartoons <laughs> so like i think we think of a lot of this stuff as text speak and it is that it is internet speak and all that stuff but it also has these like much older roots. Yeah. Uh, not that the 70s is much older, but the, you know, medieval tapestries are older. <laughs> um, so, like, A, it makes me think of Walt Whitman, and I think he's definitely speaking back to Walt, because I think anytime someone who's not a white man is talking about a lot of these things, they're like, hey, Walt, I'm also here. Screw your America. I'm also a part of America. Yeah. Um, Here's my Yeah, and Walt wrote... Of myself. Walt, I said that, like, I knew him and stuff, but... Your pal, Walt! Walt Whitman, um, I mean, wrote a lot about Americans and mm-hmm. the, what the picture of America is. Um, yeah. I don't know why. I didn't even really think about that, but I'm glad you brought yeah, it up. Yeah, well, and when you mentioned Emily Dickinson, I was like, well, this is perfect. We got yeah. the mother and father of American poetry just hanging out with Tommy Pico. Yes, which <laughs> is pretty cool. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking, and this is sort of direct, this is what I was thinking of when you were talking about language, Emily, is the poet Lucille Clifton, uh, who is so great, oh, yeah. and I feel like we don't talk about enough. The thing that I love about her is she basically uh, got rid of all punctuation and all capitalization. And it's not like she's the first per- poet to do that. But when E. Cummings does it, he's like, haha, isn't it fun? I can switch around words. And yeah. There's a period in the middle of a word. Isn't, aren't <laughs> I... Aren't I quirky? Space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar. Yeah, E. Cummings is like the original Manic Pixie dream girl. (laughs) Not really, but... And so quirky. I'm so quirky. Yes. Uh, But Lucille Clifton wrote, like, thousands of, you know, thousands of poems, basically. Like, she's so prolific. Um, And she never used punctuation. And for her, it was because as uh, a black female poet writing in the 20th century... She was trying to say, like, yeah, this is how you guys see me mm-hmm. as basically this nothing. And I'm going to reclaim that mm-hmm. identity and make it super powerful in my poetry. So, like, you know, the word I is never capitalized and there's no punctuation. Uh, and she's sort of, like, building out this, like, ethos of, look, this is what you think I am, but I'm actually going to turn it on its head. Uh, and it also, I think, relates to Tommy's... Tommy Pico's Tommy Tommy uh, Tommy Pico's notion in here that um, the English language is Stockholm, mm-hmm. like it's some Stockholm shit, as he says, mm-hmm. right? Or that quote that like you can't tear down the master's house with the master's tools. So he's like, "Look, I'm not going to use your white cis straight language to talk about nature. I'm going to use my indigenous queer language." Because I think that's what he's doing. Like, I think yeah. when we say, like, he's writing a text speak or whatever, he's writing the way that he probably talks mm-hmm. in his own community. Yeah. Uh, for a specific purpose, not just... And maybe this is, like, this is another thing I was thinking, and this might just be that I've read too much poetry at this point, but I didn't find it particularly <laughs> shocking. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what that no, says that, about I, me. I agree with you, because I'm like, to me, like, sex and curse words are not shocking. No, I'm not yeah. saying I found it shocking. I, I, I said I think he's trying to be shocking in the same way he's like trying to sound young and cool i don't think he's succeeding at any of those things but i don't right. think he's trying to be shocking because yeah that's yeah it's not shocking that's what i was gonna say i am the emoji of a tiny baby chick <laughs> hatching from the egg yes it does not take 
a whole lot. To scandalize you. To shock me. (laughs) But see, but see, okay. I was like, parts of this were shocking. Todd and I just read a book where a woman snatched a man's skin off Mm -hmm. and then threw it in the air like a plastic bag and let it flutter to the ground. And I was just like, yes. (laughs) You loved it. Maybe too much. So... My barometer is broken. I don't know. I just feel like this book is somehow like extremely pretentious and extremely juvenile at the same time. It's very mm. irritating. It did not read as pretentious to me. Right. But there are types of It didn't of read as pretentious to me, but like you did. guys explaining it to me makes it feel pretentious. Because I'm like, I didn't read all that in it. To me, it seemed dumb and juvenile. But the fact that you guys are reading all of this into it makes me feel like, well, maybe this is pretentious and juvenile. Well, I mean, it's just like anything, right? Like, we have all read so much Mm -hmm. that at this point, it's like... This stuff that I'm saying, I don't know that it's there. This is just like what I'm reading... No, I'm a very it. firm believer just, that if you read something into it, it's there because once the writer writes something and gives it to the reader, right. it's out of out right. Of so does that mean that he's pretentious or we're pretentious? Oh, <laughs> it's us. It's yeah. Maybe I'm calling you yeah. guys pretentious. I don't oh, know. No. I I can carry that burden. I mean, I, I guess you could argue, like because well, he's, either like, he's he pretentious or dumb. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because he talks about, like, poetry itself. And, like, he says, why should I give a fuck about poetry? Like, Mm -hmm. it's a container. And this is when he says the Stockholm shit and about, like, like, let's trash this dump. Like, talking about grammar and poetic form. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe he wouldn't have even wanted us to have this conversation. (laughs) Maybe not. But but to me, that's what we're talking about, so... I want to ump up the pretension a little bit. Uh, <laughs> on it. page 64, he says, uh, Vibrato is great on a lake with the Doug Furs. Doug Furs, yeah, like he Douglas knows him personally. Free. That's great. <laughs> uh, pointing upwards. Like, hey, Doug, how's it going? <laughs> but I can't help it. I miss the city. I miss the city when I'm in the city. Where am I? And that made me think of uh, this, like, really famous, quote-unquote famous, as much as any... Uh, uh, Haiku can be famous. There's this hey, Basho. Don't hate on haiku. No, 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 no. I'm trying to up my pretension, so I'm quoting Basho. He's okay, saying good. famous uh, haiku as though I have ever heard of this, which I'm sure I have right. not. Uh, <laughs> famous in the haiku community. Exactly. You know what? Sorry, this is a side tangent. The other day, I said that Sylvia Plath was a famous poet, and one of my students said, "No, she's not." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "She's not famous. She's known." And I said, "What's the difference?" And he said, I'm known in Colombia, which is where he lives, but I'm not famous. Um, no, I think Sylvia Plaza is a really fucking famous student. Sorry. Like, <laughs> that, I was like, or maybe you just haven't heard of Sylvia Plath. It's fine. Anyway. If so you haven't Plath, heard of Sylvia yeah, Plath, like, you haven't read very much. I mean, that's just. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that's she true. She is canonical. Yeah. She is known. That's so not me special... being an asshole. That's just like, it's just like not. It's like not having heard of Emily Dickinson. Like it's like not- articles right. yeah. were written about her death. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. She was in the paper record, I'm sure. Um, Basho has this poem, and it's dumb that I can't remember it exactly because it is a haiku. <laughs> 
But it's basically, in Kyoto, I miss Kyoto, is the whole poem. Uh, and this made me think, like, I don't know if he's, like, explicitly referencing that, but I miss the city when I'm in the city, is this, like, feeling that I've had, and I feel like probably a lot of people have had, where you're, like, as you're experiencing something, you're ne- you're nostalgic feeling nostalgic it. about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a poem about that one. <laughs> That's a function of children's literature. Yeah, right. But this idea that, like, as you're experiencing something, yeah. and especially for him, this, like, the city seems to be so important to him, uh, the feeling that, like, you can miss something as it's happening. Mm-hmm. And That's so true, though. The conversation that he's having back with older poems and older poets and nature poets, if we're talking about Basho and haiku in general, that's another kind of nature poem. Here is, I taught Japanese poetry this semester, so I can say nature is a classical theme of Japanese poetry. Um, I, the one thing that, this just makes me think of like a little sidebar. One thing that happens when I read poetry is sometimes I feel like, especially like I, um, so I sat in on a poetic forms class like a year ago and i felt like everyone in the class had like a secret little reference book that was like i know every other poem that's ever been written and i'm gonna reference them because like people would point stuff out like this is like this poem and it seems like you're in conversation with this poem and i would just be like what mm-hmm. and then there was our poetic forms class where this bitch in our class refused to write in the form that we were assigned every time. Todd knows he was in that class with me. Oh my god. <laughs> Look, she was having a hard semester. <laughs> no! Get the fuck out of here! It's a forms class. Uh, the, yeah, the, right. Literally the only thing is you have to be in the form. Like, I don't... <laughs> yeah. Wait, I want to also just point out, for the record, Emily, we were in a romanticism class together where we talked about nature poetry. I know. I was very okay. out of it that semester, it too. Yeah, I know. That That's... that's we had, but Todd and I had a special podcast that semester. Mm-hmm. That's true, we did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Very good. It was good. Very good. That's one of the classes that I had fallen asleep in, unfortunately. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, I don't need to have that on the record. You fell asleep <laughs> in that beep, class? Beep. Oh, I'm pretty sure I did. If not that one, then another <laughs> one that I took. I never don't saw you asleep in that class. It was Dr. Yeah. Beep's class. Yeah, Dr. Beep. <laughs> it was a Beep class we had together where we had a Beep. <laughs> we it was just an escalating, like, oh, I said her name. I <laughs> oh, did no. already say it. I confessed. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, think I don't think you fell asleep in that class, Todd, but okay. <laughs> so, Mary. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a function of being well-read in poetry. So, like, Susan and Tide, you guys are probably, well, are definitely the most well-read in poetry between us. And, like, both of you have all these, like, connections. Like, I think this is, this could reference back to Walt Whitman. I think this is referencing to Emily Dickinson. This is a line. But, like, I haven't read enough poetry. Like, I've read Emily Dickinson. I am not, I have not committed her words to my heart. Mm-hmm. Except because I... Could not, not stop, could for, not death. stop for death. That's yeah, it. but everything in the in that death poem is like most of those are meant to be like a thing you've heard at some point anyway. But I think right. like the hope thing. I don't even know if that's an Emily Dickinson direct reference. I just thought of it when I saw it because it is it. built. It's good. It's built it's a good the same way that that poem is. And anyway, but I am. Um, I think that that little chunk works even if you don't know that because that's like. Uh, that's which it has to or else yeah. <laughs> you, you can't just like lean on those things but mm-hmm. um like that on its own is like a great little 
kind of anti-nature poem. Just like if you pulled that out on its own, I think. Like, I really liked mm-hmm. that little section, obviously. But I don't know that you need a, you know, encyclopedic knowledge of poetry. I'm sure there's, no, I mean, I'm if just, there are I'm other saying, ones in there, I don't know what they were. They right. might have I'm, been. I'm just saying, like, it's something, it is a learned skill mm-hmm. or ability to, like, be able to read any kind of literature and, like, make connections between different things. Because, yeah. like, I can do this with literature easy peasy, because I have just simply read more novels than I have poems. Yeah. Right, well, like, when he references Radiolab, if you don't know what Radiolab is, you're going to miss that I was personally reference. offended. <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> I love Radiolab. It is not boring. And then he was like, it's the whitest stuff ever, and I'm like, it is. White and boring, but... I, I love the line correct. right there where he draw he draw he cuts the line at white, and then it's noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, see, there's a good, there's a good example of like a good like poetic. Uh, I don't want to say move because it sounds like a trick, but like Emily, I don't. Right. No one probably answered your question earlier when you said what makes good poetry versus something else. But that's a good little like tidbit, mm-hmm. I think. Of why. I mean, I guess what makes it good poetry is like to you whether or not you like it you know it's like so for you this isn't good and that's okay mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it is hard yeah. to that's something that i think is hard to answer about any art really, right yeah. for me anyway um, well i mean it's like what's a good movie so many i read a best of movies list today and once upon a time in hollywood was like number two and i was like wrong yeah <laughs> Yeah. What a trash movie. Yeah. Trash movie. And see, I liked that movie. I didn't love it. Yeah. So I'm not going to get carried away here. But right. we all have different like, I'm not going to argue Yeah, too don't hard go to work. bat for that movie. You're I'm not going to bat. Here. But I did enjoy well, it. I didn't hate it. Uh, yeah. Part of, like, for me, what, well, part of what I like about poetry is how much, like, each word matters, like, mm-hmm. Like you were saying earlier, Emily, but, and I really like just interrogating like language and why it's working the way that it's working. And because this book talks directly to that question, I like a lot of that works for me, but, um, back to the like Stockholm thing, has anyone ever read man-made language by Dale Spender? Mm -hmm. This is, like, one of the first, like, femme theory books I ever read, and I was like, oh, my God, like, men, you know? <laughs> they made the language, get it? Man-made language, man-made language. Oh. oh, my God, language in itself is sexist. What the fuck? So, it's true. <laughs> His I, story? <laughs> I did my, like, um, I did my thesis on this female writer who, like, imitated or, like, kind of inhabited the forms of male writers that came before her but like spoke differently and talked about different things but just like sort of to get the attention of people kind of had to reference those other things that people are paying attention to like aristotle and shit like that um uh, so aristotle. like just the like him talking about english sort of being like exclusionary anyway it's like and he he mentions misogyny and stuff earlier too like Language does exclude not just, like, different races, but, I mean, like, different genders, different experiences. Mm-hmm. It definitely excludes different classes. Um, the way that we talk about, even just down to, like, how people use grammar, 
correctly or incorrectly <laughs> can be a little classist. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm kind of just rambling about language, but I really wanted to plug no, man-made allowed. language <laughs> by, by Dale really Spender. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting. I used it a lot in that thesis. That's why I bring it up. But anyway, that was, that was back in my non-poetry days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I think the thing that I like about this poem is the like he uses repetition a lot and and i always appreciate when repetition is being used in ways that are sort of interesting there's a lot of juxtaposition in that hashtag death section we've got like all these like things and then he just throws in why you got to be so rude which is just i cringe personally always going to be a thing that makes me laugh um because i think that song is so dumb i and did also cringe so catchy. <laughs> Um, so like juxtaposition is happening a lot. The other thing that's true is that when a poem is longer and more prosy, it can get away with looser language than if a poem is shorter and more lyric. So like a haiku, every single word has to count because you've only got 17 syllables or whatever, right? But in a 74 page poem, like you can be a little looser. You still have to pay attention to what you're doing, but there's more uh, gravity allowed, I guess. I don't know if gravity is the right word, but there's more like. Does this make sense? Yeah. Does that yeah. track with what you think, Susan? Yeah. Or what you've heard? Yeah, I think so. So like, as uh, long so it's okay that some parts of this poem are shitty. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I would just say like, there's more. Uh, you can get away with your language not being as precise because you're trying to do something different. Like, your goal isn't precision. I don't think Tommy Pico would say precision is the goal here. The goal here is to upend sort of white patriarchal ideas about, or white heteronormative ideas about indigenous people um, and maybe also nature. I feel like I do the same things with novels, though. Like, if I, let's take it back to Annihilation. (laughs) Oh, wait, do you like Annihilation? I don't know if I've told I've you I've never that, heard of it. But, uh, What's that? I've never heard do, you mention that. I do Is love it. Is this a book that um, you like? <laughs> in the Area X trilogy, the first book, super tight. It's only like 100 pages. It's great. Boom. Everything's super tight. In the second book, things get long, and there are parts of it that are just like, wow, this is... Where are we going? This is boring. And then in the end, in the last book, it all wraps back up together. So, like, I do the same thing with novels. Like, the longer something is, like, if it's a trilogy, I think sometimes the middle part gets a little... Flabby. I don't want to say flabby, but uh, loose. (laughs) Disjointed. Right. And it still has the potential to, like, come together for me. So, like, this isn't just a phenomenon of, like, the longer something is. Right. It's not a poetry-specific phenomenon, I guess. Or, like, if you have a 14-book series, you might have some... Is every page of Wheel of Time a gem? No. (laughs) Is every book of Wheel of Time a gem? Certainly not. No. Would not say so. Is every page of the work of Stephen King necessary? Probably not. (laughs) Is every page of Annihilation a masterwork? Yes. Well, that much. (laughs) Twist. Well, okay. I I think we just rate it. 
And we move on. Can I say like five things? <laughs> wow, that's a and lot. And then you guys edit this down as much as possible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm gonna try. I'm counting. I, I, was, I just threw out a number. Part of this is I am hungry. Thing number one. <laughs> Thing number one. Mary, you're dead on. When I started my first graduate program in poetry, and I'm sure Susan has this as well, people were throwing around names and poems, and I was like, "What is this?" It felt like a different language, and I was so scared because I was a little baby poet. The baby chick coming uh, out of yes. the yes. And I was like, I-, I like this one poet. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. We never heard of him. He sucks. <laughs> Read these other poets or else you will never be a real poet. And then I- They sound re- mean. Yeah, no, graduate school is mean. Poets are mean. Poets are mean. Um, well, so, some people be like, name dropping just because they need to name drop. So That is true. <laughs> that is definitely true. Uh, um I'm not doing that. Uh, Name dropping Emily Dickinson is not that cool. That was one thing. How many other things you got? Uh, I think I actually only have one other thing. And the only other thing that I wanted to say is that this poem is a nature poem. I think it eventually becomes a nature poem. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, throughout, he's like, I'm never going to write a nature poem. Ha ha ha. And then he ends up (laughs) writing one. Like, that's sort of the whole joke of the book. Yeah. But the other thing that I think this poem is doing that I really love is that it's also a eulogy or an elegy. Sorry. Let me get my poetic terms correct. An elegy. Can you imagine if someone stood up and read this as a eulogy? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Just end it. Just just stood up there for an hour and a half reading... Um, it's an elegy for not only, I think, the natural world. I think if you write about nature in 2019, it is in part, like, a poem about grief. And yeah. about, like, climate catastrophe and climate grief. And then, two, it's this elegy for his cousins that he keeps mentioning over and over. Like, hey, my cousins are missing. Have you seen them? Uh, like, I have a body and my cousins have cirrhosis. Like, all these things that just keep coming back. Um, and so I wrote at one point. At one point, he was, like, talking about, like... Uh, he was with this guy and they were like, uh, if you keep making me laugh like that, my ribs are gonna explode or something. I was like, is this I'm a I'm gonna have poem? a six it's pack not. if you keep making me laugh. Yes. Boom. Nailed it. I was like, is this a love poem? It, no. It's not. No. Uh, but then, like, a page or two later, he talked about his cousins and he had mentioned them already and I was like, is this an elegy? And I think it is. It's like, in a lot of ways, a poem of mourning. Yeah. And about sort of how you work through that or don't work through I that. I agree. Um, and I thought that was really cool. So I only had two things. I was okay. I just wanted to get. Yeah, I have one, totally. I have one thing, but I just want to wrap up our conversation. I think we should end on a Tommy Pico line, and then we can rate yeah. it. So yes, please. There's no such thing as a perfect ending. You just have to stand up and say, "I'm ready to leave." Mm. And now let's go. <laughs> right, let's leave and write it. Okay, ratings. I. This is Mary. I gave it a four. I liked it. It was not, uh, like, on my scale of poetry is just, like, did I enjoy reading this? And I did enjoy reading this quite a bit. But mm-hmm. I did cringe at why you gotta be so rude, so I deducted a star. <laughs> a whole star for one line. That might have added <laughs> the whole a star, star for was for honest. all the cringe moments. Yes. Uh, I will go. This is Todd. Uh, Hello, Todd. I think I... I don't believe in ratings in general, which okay. I know is very well, we, dumb. We very much believe in ratings. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true, because I'm sure I rated, last time I was here, I think I gave Station Eleven a five. Yeah. Just out of the gate, I was like, hot, five. I Six gave out that of five. a five. Seven out of five. It's a great, it's still one of my favorite novels. She has a new novel coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Plug. I know. St. John Mandel. Very excited. Um, but I would probably give this, like, uh, a four. I think it's a mm-hmm. solid four. I liked it a lot. I was talking with... 
uh, friend of the pod, Ben, earlier. <laughs> friend and friend and or lover of the pod. Yeah. And he was, ben. and I was like, yeah, I probably, I don't know that I'd read it again, but it, I think it's good. Well, Ben and would like, read it three times, apparently, so. <laughs> yeah. Three times counts as before, one time. Before you can even make a decision. Yeah. And I salute you for that, Ben. He's um, very serious I, about Yeah, I poetry, liked it, but it wasn't so. like it blew my socks off or totally changed the way. That I view the world. It did, I mean, it did that a little bit. So I would give it a four. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. I liked a lot of the moves it was making. I think it's really, uh, I think it's really important. I thought it was uh, cool, but four out of five. That I don't know why that is negative. Four out of five. It's a good yeah, book. Yeah. Um, I'll go too. It's Susan again. <laughs> you know my voice now because I've talked the whole <laughs> fucking episode. <laughs> Saying a bunch of nonsense. That's um, usually me, so. <laughs> It makes up for all the shit I haven't said in the past. Um, I also gave it a four. Yay. Yay. Um, also, I, I mean, I think that this just, I agree with everything that you guys both said, but also I think that, I mean, we've talked about timing matters when you read something, and I think this just, like, found me at a good time also. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't sat down with, like, a full book of poetry in a while and it was like really refreshing to me and it was doing some different stuff than what I've seen in a while and I like the way that it did the things that it did so four well this is Kelly I'll take it down a notch to prepare for Emily's rating <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> Emily looks pissed right now so I can't yeah and I'm I, I feel very like out of place right now because you guys all loved it and it that actually makes me hate it more because I'm like, oh, am I fucking taking crazy pills? Like, can no. I deduct a star from what I rated it originally? The no, answer I, mean, is I feel no. like there was it's subjective, was, so it's fine if you hate it. I mean, yeah, but it's just it's just really hard when you're the only person who doesn't like something, and everyone else is just like real high on the Kool Aid because like. This was terrible. <laughs> well, it's not really fair to call it Kool-Aid. Like, well, to me, it, it is Kool-Aid. I'm not, like, I'm not I know, but I'm not, like, saying shit about you because you don't like it. I'm saying it's fine that you don't like it. It doesn't make yeah. me crazy for liking it, though. No, yeah. it makes me... I feel crazy is what I'm saying. Like, You're not. You're allowed you to can... have a different opinion. I want to cue up the meme of The Real Housewives where uh, the one woman is screaming, It's my opinion! <laughs> Because mm-hmm. um, that's all this podcast is at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just a bunch of our opinions. Back to my rating. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm giving it three stars. How dare you? Yeah. Um, Get out. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> no. uh, I don't know. I mean, I liked it. I did. I liked it. Um, I would give it three yeah. and a half if I could. But mm-hmm. I... Uh, we don't do half stars. I, we don't do half stars. And I... I solidly liked it, and there were some parts that I loved, but there were some parts that I disliked. So, um, and when you have a book that's not that long, it's like every part that you dislike counts, you know? Yes. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's my rating. I mean, I don't feel like I need to say anything at this point. I gave it one star. I would give it zero stars if I could. But Goodreads yeah. doesn't let you do that. I felt like this was total garbage. Um, if I hadn't had to read it for the podcast, I would have stopped on, like, page two. Um, having finished it, I don't think I gained anything from the experience. 
that I didn't have, like, I had no extra information that I didn't have on the first page of reading. Like, I got the idea immediately, and then I felt like I was continuing to read more of the same thing. And I just, like, I cannot, like, I hated this so much. Like, the whole experience of reading this was, like, awful. And I'm so glad that poetry is short, because it didn't take very long to read, at least. Uh, we have no feedback. No. Oh. Wait, oh, I, I don't know if this is allowed, but I did read The Power. This is allowed. And I kept meaning, I kept meaning to write in, but then, guys, I'm very, I'm not good at doing You're about that. to say lazy. Uh, yeah. Lazy is as lazy does. And I'm lazy. Um, The Power is great. Is that a good feedback? Yeah, yeah nope. that was good feedback. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Okay, getting some conflicting messages here. <laughs> the power is really good. Uh, Mary let me borrow her copy, mm-hmm. and I read it, uh, and I really loved all the, like, the characters were great, and the story was really interesting, and the whole, like, inversion of how we normally think about gender and, con- and you know, the sort of construction of gender was really well done. Um, and I'm currently trying to read Slowly. Every Drake Starts Over. But I'm running into a wall of work and... You'll get there. Reading other things. Reading, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe you know. your homework assignment can be to write us a real email. Yeah, maybe like a year from time. now. Yeah. yeah, when I finish it in eight months. Yeah. <laughs> I will send in a real email. All right. Uh, what's on the blog? Recaps are still happening. The Survivor finale has aired. It's over. Who won? Our long national nightmare. Yes, our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> I was telling Emily today, like, this season's been so hard to watch, and if I was not recapping it, I would not have finished it. Mm-hmm. I saw a, um, I can't remember if it was a tweet or what, but that someone that's on The Bachelor this season dated someone that was on Survivor at some point. And I don't know what oh, wow. season they were on or anything, and I don't know Time's who the person is from The Bachelor. But I just think maybe yeah. there's a good potential crossover moment mm-hmm. we can discuss later. Um, but if you want to know why this has been a nightmare season and <laughs> what's up with that, you can always read the recap. Glad your relationship survived. Oh yeah, it's you know, like stronger it's than ever. <laughs> yeah, but you had to go through it together. It's yeah, that's true. true. When you experience a trauma together. <laughs> Can really bring you close. That's true. Emily is still doing. Yes, we're still doing his dark materials recaps. By we, I mean me. Um, (laughs) I guess at this point, by the time this comes out, the show might be done. Yeah, because I haven't even started yet. Well, we're recording. You'll get to marathon it. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, as of this recording, there are two episodes left. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm a little nervous, but we'll see how it goes. Are they going to keep doing it? So the plan is to, uh, do the three books over the course of two seasons, which is what I'm nervous about. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, it could work though. It could. It is kind of like I have found it very interesting how they've started to over like let put in the book two stuff, 
Um, mm-hmm. We're still mostly, again, at this point, we're six episodes in, so we're still pretty, like, firmly in book one territory. Um, but there's, like, been a little bit of book two mixed in throughout. Um, so I guess, I mean, we'll just see how it goes. It's very exciting um, to see book two start to get adapted because it's never been adapted before. We got right. book one already. Like, we've seen that before so like all the book two stuff has been like really exciting for me because we've never seen that before so i'm looking forward to it but also it's a little scary so yeah that's my opinion right now as of uh, episode six speaking of scary uh black christmas black christmas <laughs> i'm gonna die um so <laughs> nothing scarier than misogyny listen this is this is a really weird thing this movie is getting like universally panned. Like everybody, I thought it was great. It's amazing. It's great. I gave it four and a half stars, I think, or something like that. Like I loved it. Is it particularly scary? No, but like no. it's doing a lot of other really cool things. And mm-hmm. you know what? Hot take: scary movies don't have to be scary to be good. Yeah, yeah true. That's true. It's hard Todd's to be like, yes, scary. Please. You know, is there Todd? I think you would like this movie. I think, I think you would really like this movie, Todd. Look, I'm a fool, and I said, see it without me. I'm glad you I'm did, because I it. didn't want to have to wait, because I really wanted to see right. it. But anyway, yeah, the point right. of this is, uh, I reviewed Black Christmas for the 12 Days of Christmas series. Um, as of this being published, I think I'll be done with it. But, you know, oh, yeah. we recorded early because of the holidays, so we're talking about real mm-hmm. old stuff. Sorry about that, guys. There are 12... Varying levels of quality Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of them are real bad. Movie. Yeah. One Hanukkah movie Hanukkah. that I really regret featuring holiday. after the Hallmark debacle. But oh, I God. I watched yeah. this movie before the Hallmark stuff went down. Had yeah. the Hallmark stuff gone down first, I probably would have not picked this movie. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would advise you to maybe skip the Hallmark movies this Christmas. <laughs> to read more about this, I was going to suggest Google another it. Hallmark movie, so oh, it doesn't no. f- doesn't fix it. Todd's over here trying to suggest other Hallmark yeah, movies. Yeah, I forgot. Todd! Todd! Todd. For Winter Boyfriend. We don't condone homophobia, Sorry. okay? We hate them now. Hallmark All is right. canceled. Hallmark Can I say is canceled. one thing? This is... Yeah. I did make Mary watch a, uh, you know, insert brand... Christmas movie here, um, and it's called Mingle All the Way. Wait, you you're not gonna say Hallmark, but you're gonna say the name of the movie. Yep, sorry. Whoops. Wow, I have so many things no, the, to beep out. The so name many. of the movie is. We're just gonna beep out Todd's deal. entire the premise. The premise is that the plucky young woman at the center of it created an app for people who just want to find a platonic person to go to parties with them. And the app is called Mingle All the Way, and she insists it's for all occasions, but it's clearly just for Christmas parties. That's stupid. Also, she fell in love, so I guess her app didn't work. Everything uh, here's the, too here's well. the thing, though. Uh, that song doesn't mention Christmas at all. It's just about wintry, <laughs> wintry good time. Yeah. It's just about it's just winter time. one times. time a guy fell out of a sleigh. Yeah. It's a one-horse open sleigh. That's not a sleigh with reindeer. I'm yeah. just saying. Also, and speaking speaking of a one-horse open sleigh, why why book clubs back? 
Wait, what? Wait, please explain. <laughs> slay, S-L-A-Y? Like slay? Sure. Oh my gosh, Babysitter's Coven. <laughs> it was a book. My book club is back. We have read The Babysitter's Coven. It was a book. <laughs> it sure it was. was. And we talked about it, and we're old. I keep hearing clubbing. Like, <laughs> I want a third book where it's about a club of young babysitters well, who get series. fake IDs and go clubbing. It yeah. is a series, so they might. You could write a season. Um, you know, yeah, this will be I a will. series that I will not be continuing. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, really, that's not saying much because... Uh, that's not uncommon. I read me. a lot of first books in the series and say, like, mm, no. So it takes a lot yeah. for me to continue with the series because that's just a lot of commitment. It's just a lot. Mm-hmm. But this is, yeah, I don't think Mary and I, either of us particularly, like this book. Those are always the most yeah. fun to read about. So you should definitely check this review yeah. out. I'm just saying. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And Susan has written a blog post. Probably several of us have written more blog posts by now, but we just don't know. We can't predict the future. This one's about a podcast. Um, Pod Squad. The last days of August about porn star August Ames and her semi mysterious death. I've heard good things about that podcast. Good. I might have heard that from you. Is that is that one uh, John Ronson podcast? Yes. So I fucking love John Ronson. I know, me too. And I'm I might include the butterfly effect in this same post because I'm about to listen to that too. But he he did a thing Not for it was an audible series on um yeah. how the internet has changed the porn industry and then I guess this story kind of came to him yeah. um while he was looking, you know, investigating the porn industry. So this became its own separate thing. And it's I highly recommend his books. Yeah. Uh uh, so you've been publicly shamed is excellent. <gasps> I have that book. You should read Just it. Still thinking about Ashton Kutcher now uh, and how his life changed. No, it's a running gag just for me. Mary, you might not like his. Um, you might not like his voice. Oh, it's Uh-oh. British. <laughs> but it's not just oh, no. British. It's like it's like s- slow British. Like, did he write the sociopath test or the psychopath yeah the psychopath test? test. Yeah, I have that, but I haven't read it. That's also a great book. And he also has one uh, that I've read that's the John Ronson Mysteries, and it's just, like, short, it's, like, shorter, like, a bunch of, like, his shorter investigation pieces. But I really like him because he's a journalist who just, like, finds the weirdest shit to investigate, and uh, his stuff is always, like, really interesting. So. Too bad he's British. I can't listen to him. Yeah, I love his voice, but it's it's a I'm real kidding. it's a real specific accent. I can't remember where he's from, but it's like very regional. <laughs> his accent, mm. Liverpool. I oh, don't I think love it's Liverpool. Yorkshire. I love a Liverpool Yorkshire. accent. It's just very chill sounding. Like you mean a Liverpoolian? Pudlian, but yes, Pudlian. Ah, boy. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not British. It's finally happening. It's finally happening. Next time. We're so excited. On the podcast, we will be discussing Little Women! The new film by Greta Gerwig. The cast is stacked. The plot is on point. I am rereading the novel. So am I. To get 
pumped. It is so heartwarming, and I cannot wait to see Sersha. I love as her. Joe. I love her Sersha. so much. It's gonna be good. I can already tell you, like favorite movie of the year right I now. I think it's probably. gonna be really good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Little women. It looks good as fuck. And then after that, in the new year, speaking of Stephen King. <laughs> it's been Stephen like King a theories, couple of episodes yeah. since another we one. have talked about Stephen King, so it's time. Yeah. Like it's and been hey, so this long. Is a rare, tiny Stephen King book. Yeah, which it's I really would a novella, argue is best. I think I would yeah. categorize. Like but the shorter the story, the tighter the I, it is. Yeah. I grabbed it from work, and it's not only like really short, but it's also like this big. It's so small, you guys. <laughs> I was like, I like a, a children's tiny book. book. Um, tiny. Anyway, it's Elevation. I don't know if we said the title yet. Um, nope. <laughs> by Stephen King. You all know Stephen King's uh, publication history. Um, I don't know that much about um, what the book is about so far. I've been not really trying to read much about it. But um, I do know that it's set in Castle Rock. So mm, we're going back to Castle Rock again and talking about that. Nice. So this will be our first... Um, book episode of the new year so if you've like already set reading goals for yourself what a great way to start the year on a short one kind of get the momentum going Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can listen and write us emails yes please where where would one write us an email one could write us an email at the squad at booksquadgoals.com you could also write us a comment uh on facebook or instagram or twitter perhaps and if you were feeling like you wanted to make, I don't know, a New Year's resolution, um, it could be to start leaving ratings and reviews for your favorite podcasts, ours included. Mm-hmm. Um, so please do that. Uh, every reading and review helps more people find us. Our website is booksquadgoals.com, where you can find our schedule and our blog posts. Uh, I think that's it. So, like, Happy New Year. Thanks for being here, Todd. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It was great. Do you have thanks anything to plug, for being Todd? a lover of the pod. Um, <coughs> nope. Read more poetry. <laughs> or don't, if you don't want to. <laughs> your life is your own. It's true. I mean, I would be willing to read more poetry if I don't have to read it three times. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's definitely a Ben that thing. Only, that's ben. Not, only Ben can do that. Yeah, that's just a Ben thing. Because when no. he said that, I was like, I just don't know if I can do this poetry thing, Ben. I just don't know. Yeah. He said, that's a deal breaker. Yeah. I'm out. I'm taking the no, cat. I will recommend some to you that I think you would like better. Yeah. Okay. Yay. All right, I hope you will. All right. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.